Welcome to this week's Heathcliff. My name is Dave. This is the podcast where I describe and analyze a single panel comic, Heathcliff, syndicated in newspapers around the country and available on Go Comics' website at gocomics.com slash Heathcliff. I do this for reasons I'm not sure of myself, and I haven't done it for a little bit. Um, You know, this podcast is about Heathcliff, but it's also not so secretly about uh, my life recently, um, and um, specifically uh, my parents, who are both suffering from dementia, and both developed it around the same time, which is a lot to go through. And the past few weeks uh, were spent mostly, in most of my free time, in um, getting, continuing the process of cleaning out their old apartment, uh, as well as, you know, going through the stuff that we wanted to save, which even for people who didn't have a lot of stuff, because my parents weren't big stuff people, and and uh, neither am I or my wife, like that's still a significant um, hunk of crap to, you know, transit from their home in Boston back here to New York where I live and then to try and find places for in a small one-bedroom apartment that I live in. Um, none of this is to, to, to complain either. Like plenty of people have it much Worse, um, this is a difficult thing to go through, but I'm incredibly lucky in the way I get to go through it. With that said, going through it doesn't make one necessarily want to do uh, a silly podcast about Heathcliff, Um, or even a podcast that's secretly about this topic, about Heathcliff. There's this, you know, idea of the show must go on, and I've never really understood that a show or a podcast or any other work of art um, isn't necessary. It's not food. It's not water. You know, people... I, I, I remember being in a class in college... Uh, that was taught by this really these really wonderful people who um, do this very interesting uh, type of theater um, that's very expressive and very physical. And one of the teachers or professors um, related an anecdote about when she'd gotten terrible stomach a terrible stomach bug and had to go on despite having this terrible stomach bug. So they just put buckets at every exit point of the stage that she could vomit into during the show. And at the time, I thought, wow, that's real commitment to the work. And uh, later, I wound up in situations like that when I moved to New York and started doing theater and comedy, where I would get you know, sick or have a panic, panicky reaction to something, and the show would depend on my attendance, my ability to do it. 
Um, so you do it, you know, even so. But is that good? Is that a good thing to do? Looking back in retrospect, like, nobody was traveling thousands of miles to see my dumb sketch show. And the people who had come in, you know, to see it had mostly come in to see me or somebody else performing in it and would have understood it not happening. Would have been fine with it. It's just one part of the event. The the others are to see your friends. When you get up to, when you scale up to like Broadway and stuff like that, you have understudies. You have people who will do the work for you. Like, that's why you have unions. Um, Before, I'm going to pump the brakes before I go into a a pro-unionization rant and instead just say that, you know, it's become over time, my, my, my opinion, and this could be wrong, or, you know, just one way of thinking about things anyway. Over time, my opinion has become that if you get value out of performing over and above the um, harm that could be done to you by performing in a situation where you're sick or mentally not great, then you should do it. But if it's just going to harm you, the show doesn't have to go on. Now, none of this is, again, to say either that, like, doing this podcast would have harmed me anyway, in any way. I I just didn't really have the time or the mental energy. And I needed to acknowledge that for myself and do what I needed to do instead. But then... I started to miss weeks of doing it instead of just days of doing it. And started that started to pile up and cause its own anxiety of like, am I even going to keep doing this? Like I get past a certain point and it's like not really possible to catch up. And then you start to go like, well, now the momentum's against you. And now you feel like maybe you should just walk away. You know, it's not like this podcast has thousands of listeners. Um, most people probably weren't even paying attention to the fact that it wasn't there. Uh, and that's fine. This part of, part of the thing about all this, like, and the show must go on sort of mentality is like, it imagines like sort of like a centrality, you know, an importance that's very actorly, um, Everybody's watching. Everybody everybody should be watching, but am I screwing it up, you know? Everybody's paying attention to me. Nobody's paying attention. But you do start to think, well, everybody's paying attention and they're they're missing this and maybe I should just give it up. At the least, I should figure out how to return to it. And so, he said, approaching minute nine of this, I decided 
I would come back and start doing it again, but I would just leave the stuff that I didn't get to alone. And specifically, I'm just going to do one comic from the past three weeks or however long it's been since I last did this to catch up. And that comic is the one, uh, is the last one from last week. I'll describe and analyze it. We'll talk about it. And then we'll stop there. And we will pick up the normal schedule after that. How's that sound? Great. So, this is the comic for Saturday, April 13th, 2019. We're inside of a fancy restaurant, and I have not seen this particular setup before in Heathcliff. But you can tell it's a fancy restaurant. Um, it's a weirdly laid out fancy restaurant. I'm going to think for a minute about how best to describe it. I guess we're, we're in sort of an entryway corner, like looking at the corner of the entryway. And that corner is like dead center in the panel. Panel left um, moves away from the corner using like lines of perspective that go downward towards the lower panel um, and uh, creates a wall with a doorway in it. And it is a, um, it's a, a glass door. So we can see outside of the wall and we can see that we're in the city. You can see the buildings of the city in the background. You can see the sidewalk and you can see a sign for the restaurant that's kind of oddly canted inward towards the restaurant, but that's probably just a trick of perspective. The sign identifies the restaurant as Danny's Seafood Restaurant and has a fish on it. It should be noted that everything except Heathcliff and the objects he's observing are yellow. And I'll get to those objects in a minute, but everything else is yellow, sort of that uh, backgroundy yellow that... that adds sort of context without the, ne the need for attention. It's a shorthand used a lot in comics in general and in Heathcliff quite a bit. So that's the panel left side of the panel. Panel right, we can see into another room in the restaurant where the maitre d' stand is, and the maitre d' is not particularly paying attention. He's looking off to the far right of the panel um, probably into the restaurant itself. We can see his stand. We can see maybe the implication of a table, some windows in the background, maybe a chandelier. Um, Maitre d's wearing a bow tie, which nice touch, nice touch. But um, I do need to point out that the maitre d's stand should be by the entryway, and it is not. You would have to walk into this uh, restaurant look around for a bit to find him. That's all right, but it is oddly laid out, especially because now we're looking into the other room where the maitre d' stand is through a doorway, but just smack dab in front of the doorway, just like sort of plop down are the objects that Heathcliff is looking at. Now I'll describe sort of the center of the panel and the, and the whole action of the panel. 
So in the center of the panel is Heathcliff. His back is to us. His hands are behind his back. And he's looking attentively at something that is right in front of him. It should, and again, Heathcliff is standing in right in front of the glass doorways to the entry entry of the restaurant. And then this thing that is Heathcliff is looking at is in front of the um, sort of uh, entryway to the next room where the maitre d' stand is. So this entire thing just sort of blocks everything. So. Like I said, Heathcliff, hands behind his back, looking at something. And his he's turned away from us in sort of three-quarter perspective, the way he often is in this, uh, in, in this comic. And as a result, we can't see the expression on his face or anything like that. And I've thought for a while that Gallagher may not like drawing Heathcliff's face because Heathcliff is often... Uh, sort of posed in ways where you can't see his face. We can't see his face anyway. We can see his nose, his black nose, and we can uh, make out some whiskers, but we can't see the look on his face. Now, what he's looking at is there's a low brown stand, um, and then atop that stand is an aquarium. And in the aquarium are two lobsters. And again, this is a seafood restaurant. They're two big red lobsters. As a pedant, I will point out that lobsters only turn bright red when you cook them, but these lobsters are bright red. They're also enormous. They're the only lobsters in this uh, aquarium. And they're huge. They don't have bands on their claws which seems like an error because, like, those, those suckers will pinch you. These lobsters are both looking at Heathcliff, looking at them. Um, and if you look carefully, the lobster on the right has male features, and the lobster on the left has female features. And what we think of the clip as, like, classically anthropomorphized male and female features. In this case, it's mostly around the eyelashes. The, the quote, female lobster has long eyelashes. There's a sign on the brown stand just below the lobsters themselves. It's gold, and it says in black lettering, choose your lobster. So Heathcliff is looking at lobsters, in a lot of seafood restaurants, this is a thing, apparently, where you can go in, uh, pick a lobster, and uh, be like, I want that one. I want to eat it. And then the restaurateurs pick it out for, me, for you, take it in the back. And it. I would honestly not be shocked to learn that people don't wind up eating the lobster that they pick, that the lobsters that they pick are just really good-looking lobsters, and those go back into a case in the back, and then people just, the, the chef just takes out the, the for-eaten for lobster, you know, and uh, 
and cooks that up for them. But maybe, maybe this, this is what happens. I don't know. I don't eat a lot. I eat lobsters. So I, this is not, this is already alien to me. Lobsters, by the way, speaking of alien, why would you eat that? I've, that's a cockroach. Regardless. We got two lobsters. Heathcliff's looking at the lobsters. The lobsters are looking at Heathcliff. The female lobster's mouth is open. She's providing captions to the panel. And she's saying, I remember when you used to look at me like that. So, in the moments before Heathcliff makes his choice, presumably picking one of the two lobsters, separating them from each other forever by death. One will be consumed and the other will be alone in the tank until they are consumed. Faced with this, the female lobster has decided to make an issue of the, the dimming light of romance in their relationship. Additionally, apparently, the way Heathcliff is looking at these lobsters very much mimics, mimics the way a lobster looks at another lobster when it wants to fuck. Or, alternatively, when the male lobster used to look at the female lobster with romance in his eyes, it mimicked the way a cat looks when it is hungry. I don't have a lot more to say about that, quite frankly. Um, but thanks for bearing with me while I've tried to get this podcast back on track. Thanks for, um, thanks as always for listening and, uh, thank you for not rating or reviewing this on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple podcasts, wherever you get it. But as always, if you want to tell me anything at all, you can email me at your pal at gmail.com. And I'd love to hear from you. All right. I'll talk to you soon.